Hello all. Welcome to AWS reInvent. I hope that you guys have a great week here. Um, this has been always been an exciting opportunity to really um, learn about the cloud, to find out the things that AWS are launching, but most of all to hear the great things that customers are doing inside the cloud. I think we have an exciting panel today um, on a really important and pressing topic, something that draws you know, all the passion um, from a number of us, and it's really about changing the workforce to align with all these crazy challenges and changes that are going on inside the cloud. Um, I am so fortunate to have great panelists today. Um, Frank Heitman uh, runs Digital Data Divide. Uh, he's the president um, of the organization. Digital Data Vibe provides these phenomenal training resources that Frank will get into. Before Digital Data Divide, Frank led and grown, has grown large outsourcing units on a global basis. He has more than 25 years of experience delivering solutions and experience in the IT and business process outsourcing industry at organizations such as Computer Science Corporation. He holds a Master's of Informatics from the Technical University of Rhineland-Pfalz in Germany. Um, and I got to see the work that Frank's organization did, I think it was about a year ago, at a public sector summit for Amazon Web Services. and was absolutely blown away by the, the amazing things that are happening, the amazing uh, things that are really happening with students inside that organization. Trisha Ramos has been a longtime friend of mine. Um, we've got to collaborate for a number of years, um, and she'll talk about some of those collaborations today. Patricia is the Dean of Workforce and Economic Development at Santa Monica College. As the administrative leader in academic affairs over career technical education, she developed partnerships with the business, labor, and other educational institutions to align what Santa Monica college is doing with the industry. And I think they do this better than any organization that I've seen in that community college space. Her prior roles at SMC, or Santa Monica College, include director of the Small Business Development Center. Um, she is commissioner and board officer of the LA County Workforce Development Board and a fellow um, at the National Hispana Leadership Institute and Hispana's organized for Political Equality Leadership Institute. She serves on many local workforce and educational boards. Uh, she earned her master's in educational counseling from Cal State University Dominguez Hills and her doctorate in educational leadership from University of Southern California. So why are we here today? Um, we're here because the cloud is making a gigantic impact on the workforce and we really need to think about how we realign education to meet those needs. AWS um, is the fastest growing, the fastest IT vendor to ever hit $10 billion in yearly revenue. Now it's $16 billion and it's growing like a startup with a 42% year over year growth rate. You're seeing that impact out at reInvent now um, and we're gonna talk about it today. It's led to cloud computing being the number one LinkedIn skill on number one LinkedIn skill for the past two years in a row, and other born in the cloud terms such as Hadoop have been in the top 10 as well. The problem is, if there's this great middle to high skill job gap. There's a great lack of competencies such as being able to deal with ambiguity, thinking big and inventing and simplifying in this new generation. And it's taking companies such as Amazon a whole lot longer to hire people. Glassdoor uh, came up with a study a few years back that showed between 2009 and 2015, the average time to hire grew by 80%. It's unfathomable that such a big change in the way we looked at hiring could happen in such a short time, um, but that's upon us. We envision a world where education industry and government act together in a public-private partnership to go after this. And we're so fortunate to have Patricia um, and Frank here to talk about it today. So now, I'm gonna turn it over to these wonderful people. Uh, so Frank, first to you. 
if you could tell me about uh, DDD, you know, tell me about the organization and what your mission is. Good, sure. Well, that's good. <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, and thank you for having me on this panel here. I appreciate that. So let me give you two minutes to talk about DDD in general, and then I will talk a little bit about the relevance around AWS, because we are a little bit of a unique enterprise, if you like. Uh, we are a social enterprise. We are 15 years old. Social enterprise means we are a not-for-profit uh, company. And our mission is really to um, change lives of young people through education. Uh, and particularly, we are, we are going to underserved parts of the world, uh, here, especially in, in Africa, but also in Asia. And um, our approach there is, is uh, you know, a little bit unique because we are offering our students um, a work scholarship program. That means, first of all, we hire young, talented, disadvantaged people. Uh, when I say disadvantaged people, then uh, I'm talking about their social background. Uh, for example, in Africa, our students mostly come out of a place called Kibera, which is one of the largest slums in Africa. But these are very, very talented young people. So we hire them, give them employment, uh, and thereby allowing them to pay their living, you know, to pay their rent and, and get some food. But at the same time, we are also um, covering scholarships for them. So they can go to the university and they can start to get degrees and diplomas, which they would never be able to do by themselves. Um, and the thinking behind is very basic. We believe that you know, education leads to better jobs. Better jobs lead to better pay. And better pay really leads to breaking the cycle of poverty. And our students then, you know, get out of those circumstances. And most in times, their families as well. So that's what we are doing. We are about 1,000 students around the world, um, which are all operating on the same concept. So that's DDD in general. Um, now is the twist to AWS for a second. We, um, <clears throat> So the job our students are doing normally is low-level IT services. It's data entry, scanning, indexing. That's what we have been doing in the past. And as you can imagine, you know, that commodity is, is very difficult to, to maintain. So a year ago, we sit together and said, you know, what kind of services do we need to provide which are in demand? And guess what? You mentioned it. You know, AWS was right there. Cloud is there, and AWS was right there. So I said to my students, I said, you know, we create an AWS Academy in Kenya. And they all looked at me like, what is this guy smoking for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, and I didn't, but you can, you can appreciate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they still believe I did. But which I is good, which is good. <laughs> so, but you can appreciate, many of these young students, I, I often say they haven't seen a keyboard before. That's not totally true, but they actually have literally no exposure to IT. So the idea to take a leading edge skill set and trying to bring it to Kenya and try to t teach talented students there was a little bit of a stress. Um, but we said, okay, what do we, have to, what, have we, what do we have to lose? Let's try it. And we wanted to get them certified. So not just training, we want to get them globally certified so we have something to prove. To cut it short, we started this thing in January. We took them to tailor-made curriculums. Um, after six months, we had 30 students going through the program. Um, and all the 30 students got certified. I mean, that was amazing for me because I never thought that's going to work. But it did. Um, so since then, we have been you know, rolling this program. Our vision is to, you know, expanded widely. Uh, you know, my vision is to have about a thousand students working within the AWS certifications in the different parts over the next uh, 18 months. So that's a little story in the intro. It's fantastic. For anybody who you know, thinks that you can open people's minds in low-income communities, Frank's doing it in Kenya. 
um, with people who had an extremely low skill set. We're going to dig in a little more into that, but yeah, it's so impressive, and I think yeah, just such a lesson for other people who are looking at that. Tricia, you know, talk to me about your organization, your mission, and how you're tying it into the cloud and AWS. Certainly. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm honored to be here with you all, and thank you for the kind introduction, uh, Ken. The um, mission of Santa Monica College, um, I'm kind of wearing two hats. One is um, as a dean at Santa Monica College, and another one is just a... Um, you know, a participant in the community trying to grow the workforce with, you know, all of the wonderful colleagues that I work with. So starting with Santa Monica College, what is the mission? Um, Santa Monica College is, has about 35,000 students. We'll probably um, hit about uh, 100 years in service in the next decade or so. So we've been around for a long time. And so the mission of California Community Colleges is threefold. One is um, basic skills, so that just, you know, literacy and numeracy development, transfer to a four-year institution, and workforce and economic development. So that's the space that I operate in. And that mission is the same for all 113 colleges in California. Um, Santa Monica has a very similar mission. Um, and then we've got about 20 colleges in Los Angeles, 20 community colleges. And um, that's roughly the size of most states. So to have all of the 20 colleges in LA working together to try to do workforce development and alignment to industry, I think is pretty uh, profound. And so the, the mission is multifold, and that's what makes it very difficult for us, because we have open access um, institutions. And so we have to let basically anybody that is interested in an education um, in the doors. So we're going to get all levels of students, and some that are very prepared, that are ready to transfer into a uh, four-year institution in two years. And remember, in California, we've got some of the best universities in the world. Um, I think, you know, well, you know, UCLA, USC, Berkeley, Cal, Stanford, and we transfer students into those uh, universities regularly. So, um, but there's another you know, side to what's happening in California in terms of, uh, of the mission that we have to respond to, and that is growing our workforce and getting you know, the, the growing demographics that um, are not as highly prepared um, into high-wage, high-skilled jobs. Our economy um, in Los Angeles depends on it, the state depends on it, and therefore the country, because California is so important to the economy. So the state is investing billions, literally billions of dollars in career education with the goal of getting students, basically getting a million more students degrees or industry credentials, which is what we're going to be talking today. So I'll pause there, um, but just to say that the investments are there, the partnerships are there, we are um, very much ready to respond to industry need. I think the only challenge is the lack of connectivity between industry and educational settings. So. Um, Tricia, could you tell us a little more about the, the courses that have been recently launched at Santa Monica College and your, your plans to scale? Sure. So we um, at Santa Monica and my partners um, in Los Angeles have been working with AWS for about uh, four or five years now. And it started with a consortia of eight colleges and 40 high schools. Because part of the challenge that we have as community colleges, like I mentioned, is that we're getting students from the K-12 sector that are not prepared for college level work. So we have to remediate them and then introduce them to um, you know, curriculum like you know, AWS certification. And then, um, so, so when I met Ken and his colleagues at a conference, you know, I basically invited them in, come to Santa Monica College. I really think that you're gonna be amazed by the level of faculty, the, the, um, you know, the level of instruction that we give, and the high level that our students can produce at. And um, so, basically with their help, you know, developed the partnership, and um, they came in and offered um, basically just lessons, faculty professional development, just to teach what cloud computing is, and uh, trying to get that instruction aligned to the credentials. So it's taken a little while because, you know, it takes, 
It takes a village to make something like this happen, but um, you know, luckily we have very um, talented faculty that were able to take the instruction. I mean, AWS basically flew in a team from all over the country on different levels to, um, you know, to help the faculty with that development because faculty have the purview of curriculum development. That is their space, that's their responsibility, and it's in the law. So it's not like we can just take the curriculum and say, here, Santa Monica, offer it. That's still something that you know, is in their purview. So, so it just takes a, you know, a while to get it started, but now we've got four courses that uh, we consider to be model curriculum, and we've got 20 colleges that are willing to adopt it. We, got, we just got approved for a Basically, $3 million in grant funding for the next couple of years to really just get the faculty, you know, introduced to conferences like this so that they understand what the, um, you know, what the talent need is in the workforce and um, hopefully develop the industry advisory boards and all of the things that are going to take to make it happen. Fantastic. Um, we, we've seen such success out of the courses that have been started here. I think there was... Yeah, the, you introduced, you know, one section. That section was oversubscribed, another one. Um, came through 100% uh, retention. Um, we're, we're really excited about this and also the opportunity just to share that curricula globally. So uh, you know, really appreciate the work. I, I think you, you, one thing that you see from both Trisha and, and Frank is the, the, necess the necessity for visionary leadership and drive you know, within their organizations. Frank, you've had um, both of you had had the opportunity to create an opportunity mindset with youth that you work with on a day-to-day. -day. Um, share a little more about this approach. Yeah, I'm specifically interested, like, how did you get students from Kenya willing, going from zero to certification within yeah, such a short time period? I, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, you know, it's true. And, um, it is indeed a little bit of an unconventional way to, to build up talent. Um, I would say the magic dust or the secret ingredients here is, is clearly personal motivation. And um, let me give you a little bit of color, color around this. Um, so these students have been working extremely hard, and we have two of them here, Maureen and Maris. Um, so you need to they had 18 hours work days pretty much every day. You know, if, if, you, if you picture a typical day, so they had the challenge to cope with, number one, they are going to university. So they had to do their schoolwork. They had to learn further tests. Number two, they had to work. They have six hours of work every day. Number three, they were doing the AWS certification, you know, where they had to prepare for the exams. And, you know, we had a lot of tests as well. So that was continuously learning as well. Number four, most of these young students are very actively supporting their families. Most of, them, most of them are breadwinners. So coming home and saying, Mom, where's the food? That doesn't work like this. So they then have to, to engage with their families. And number five, anybody of you who's ever been in Africa knows to get from A to B, <laughs> particularly in Nairobi, is a big deal. So it takes them hours to get from where they're at home to the university or to, to, um, um, you know, to, to the job. So you put all this together, you know, I said, because I have myself three millennials, they wouldn't be willing to do this every day. Now, and they can speak for themselves later, but I, you know, I was, the thing which impressed me most is the motivation and the determination these young people bring to programs like this. Maureen said, you give me an opportunity, Frank, I don't let that go. Now, these young adults, you know, they are coming out of an environment where you grow up earning a dollar a day at best. You have to live for a dollar a day at best. You are living in a, in a society which is 40% unemployment, and you are living in a society where youth unemployment is probably the highest in the world. Now, I can tell you, if you give young, talented people an opportunity in those environments to learn and to develop, they take it and they run with it. And the last thing, would, and, and that was really for me the, the amazing thing. Most of the students, they just didn't just pass, you know, like, like I went to school and I said, I don't care what the outcome is as long as I pass. They had grades like 95, 97, like 
they totally nailed it. Um, and, you know, I looked at them and I thought, if, if you guys continue to bring that determination with you into your young career, into the jobs, into uh, the companies you're going to work to, right. that's going to be a major, major differentiator for the generations to come. And quite frankly, I'm telling my kids, you know, you guys need to pull up your socks. <laughs> you know, need drives motivation, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, motivation out there. So, so I think that's probably the fairest, fairest way to describe why they have been putting so much effort into that, this. That's program. great. And we're, we're going to get a chance towards the end of the session to hear directly from a couple of Frank's students. And, and also, by the way, please, if you have questions, we're going to hold those at the end, but we'll give you time to ask your questions. Um, when they were going through this, through the study, and when they were going through the curricula, were, what were their barriers? You know, what, were there technical barriers? Were there um, situational barriers? Did they, was it difficult for them to learn various programming languages? You know, or what, what were those obstacles coming in? So I think we, we for sure, we had to retailer all the standard curriculums. Um, and simply because the starting point for most of the students from a technology perspective was relatively low. So we had to start to you know, teach really the lowest level of basic of networking and system administration and so forth. Um, I think the other thing which, uh, you know, w this was a, um, a trainer-led course. So, so we didn't just put them in front of a screen and just downloaded the sessions. We did sit down together with them you know, we went through exercises, it was very much hands-on, and so we also started to get a feel about their speed of learning, you know, and when, when we went too fast and when we could speed up. Um, we worked a lot of in, um, in groups, so we had a lot of teamwork, um, and that had quite a lot, and, you know, they, they were talking to each other, and then they found out, you know what, I'm good in that, you are not so good and can you help me and so forth. So that teamwork approach helped a lot as well. And, and I think the last thing which uh, was important for, for the students was, you know, we didn't just train them to go and pass a test. The, the, the objective was really prepare them and, and, you know, give them, you know, a set of knowledge and skills which they then can take into projects. So we did a lot of time where we just played around with the systems, you know, where we tried things out, um, and then, you know, just tested them all week, how, how, how they keep up, and, and, and it totally worked. Um, so it was a little bit tailored, but other than that, you know, these young folks, they catch up so quickly with technology like anybody else on the world. And did you use a structured lab environment on that, or was it? Yeah, so a structured lab environment in Kenyan terms, yes. This <laughs> <laughs> is probably not what you would consider as a structured lab environment, but everybody had his own PC. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we had everything, I guess, we needed to, to play around. And uh, I will talk a little bit later about AWS's role, but you guys helped us for sure a lot, you know, with all kinds of resources. So we, we had what we needed. Great. Tricia. Uh, Share with me how you create that opportunity mindset in the inner city. So this is, you know, the Kenyan example still blows my mind, and I know how difficult it can be you know, through K-12 schooling, through community colleges to have that, you know, I can do this. I can create, you know, mobile web applications or do big data inside the cloud. How do you create that in the inner city? Well, I think the interesting thing about um, having prepared for this um, panel with both Ken and Frank is just how similar the experience um, that our students have at a big city, you know, community college and some of the experiences that some of these um, students in Kenya have. The, the disconnect isn't huge. Uh, and I think that that was one of the things that we found, you know, um, pretty incredible. Kids. Um, and young people today are hungry. It, we're not creating anything. We're responding to the need. And I, in, in my opinion, you know, we're not responding fast enough. I mean, cloud computing and other opportunities like this are so new that for big institutions to respond to them, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. But, you know, 
One of the examples that I can give is our professor that developed the curriculum in partnership with AWS is Howard Stahl, and he's here. He deserves all the credit. And he, after the curriculum came on board, we flew the class, a brand new class, and it sold out like in a day or two. And we could have added more, um, but we just really don't have as much um, you know, faculty that are ready to teach. That was kind of the barrier. We could have added as many classes. But the, the, you know, I'd love to say that the beautiful flyers that we created you know, are, the, are you know, what got those students um, to respond. But you know, I would say one is that the reputation that the department has and the faculty recommending, hey, you may want to look at this opportunity. But the other thing is that the students want jobs. And we go back to the mission right, right. of what um, community colleges are all about. Our job is to get students jobs and, and make sure that they leave with marketable skills that are going to help them um, be successful in the workplace and that those skills obviously are current and with technology changing so quickly that's you know what's difficult for people like you know me and my job and, and obviously the instructors to stay current on so whether it's you know students that are coming to us um, or you know those that are already in k-12 they're you know the, the students are the same and yes students may have gone traveled miles you know, in Kenya, as Frank described, but students also travel across LA County, which is the size of most states, you know, and take two and three buses to come to have that experience that they know is gonna, you know, help them succeed. So um, I think that if we can create the kind of environment where we're not guaranteeing students jobs, but we're at least providing the kind of education in a format that they can um, absorb that has, you know, hopefully some industry feedback, maybe some mentors, give them the opportunities for work-based learning, um, whether that's internships, paid or unpaid, or jobs. Um, you know, those are the things that students are gonna sign up for, and, and they really could care less about a degree more than they care about jobs, just like those in Kenya. I mean, I'm constantly you know, flabbergasted by just how similar um, it is, but I think students have grit. You know, it's an overused term, but you know, in the, in the inner city or in a big city like Los Angeles, you know, they have tenacity, they have determination, but if they find that they're not kind of getting anywhere, they're gonna go on and either go get a job or go somewhere else. Yeah, it, it definitely strikes me how you both talk about um, individual students, youth, as really having that opportunity mindset. It seems like, you know, we set up in education, we set up all kinds of barriers to that, and we say that the, this kid isn't ready for that, or this kid doesn't have the knowledge or capacity to do that and we need to level it down. I, and I just love the way you're doing it. All right, I'm gonna give you a chance to kind of build, whoops, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give you a chance to kind of, to build on um, what, you, uh, Trisha, what you just talked about. So yeah, Amazon heads into this, and a program I run called AWS Educate really believes in this partnership between education and industry, um, government as well. What could we be doing better? This is a chance to be critical, right? What could we be doing better from a professional development side, from a curriculum building side, from a jobs and internship side, advisory side? You know, dive deep into that and say, you know, how can we be better, stronger partners for you? Either. You wanna go first? Uh, um, sure. At the end of the day, we need our students to get jobs. So. From the very beginning, I mean, AWS, we, we were in partnerships with AWS before Ed, AWS Educate even came into being. And never have they ever guaranteed our students jobs if we adopt their model curriculum. It was never that kind of relationship. It was more, um, let's, just, let's just see how this develops and let's see if we can actually develop the tech talent that we need in the workforce. But when, when we know that you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, and I mean, I mean uh, Netflix, Hulu, Dropbox, Everybody else that's on AWS platform um, needs our you know, diverse talent, then we really hope that you know, if we've gone through all the trouble to develop the curriculum, to bring these partnerships, to bring millions of dollars you know, into the system so that we can align K-12 education with community college university experience, that you are, you know, you, those of you that represent companies, that you will have the confidence to partner with us at the community college level because we're really great partners. And, but we're only as great as the partnerships. So we need industry-informed curriculum. And if, and if curriculum is changing, 
as fast as you say it is, then we need to have some kind of mechanism in which we are constantly, right. um, you know, reiterating that curriculum. And, um, and, you know, we'll do whatever, you know, you need us to do. If there's 20 colleges and you don't want to partner with, you know, have these onesie twosie advisory boards, then, you know, do you want us to bring a super advisory board together? And will you come and sit, interface with the faculty, uh, possibly provide mentorships, um, and that kind of thing. We don't even really need the funding anymore. The state is providing the funding, and not just in California, but across the country. So we really just need, you know, the input from industry. We don't even really know how many jobs are out there. You know, so we've got our chief economist that, you know, is trying to uncover how many jobs are in cloud computing or how many jobs cloud computing skills, you know, can possibly lead to. So we have to respond to data. The data is so obscure, we can't even really, you know, we're kind of just going on what you're saying. So we've got to have the data, then we've got to have, you know, some reporting around it, like how many companies are in Los Angeles. Obviously, you know, there's huge tech growth in Los Angeles. We know it, it's not a secret, but it just seems like getting that information as to who's hiring, how many jobs, and what that skill level is so we can, you know, create appropriate curriculum is the big disconnect right. in what I'm hoping this consortia that we're building to respond to it will, you know, will allow that vehicle of interaction. That's great. How about professional development? How does that, yeah, I, ideally we, you know, we have lots of resources. Ideally we could be coming in and providing resources at scale to, for your teachers. Um, but, but how do we do that? How do we amass them? How do we bring the teachers together and leverage, leverage the, these opportunities. So um, just really quickly, professional development happens on multiple levels and most faculty to their credit are you know, doing their own professional development. But conferences like this really are the ones that make the difference. And so they need to know about it and we need to provide those opportunities. Professional development also happens in what we call externship um, models. So if you are you know, hungry for diverse talent and partnering with an educational institution is a possibility something that you're interested in, then, then allow an opportunity for faculty to come into your workspace to see what kind of talent you need and what's unique to your company. Because you know sometimes it is about fit and you want the faculty to have that level of engagement, not just some model curriculum. So that's another way that faculty can get really great professional development. And we'll pay their salaries to do it. You know, it's not even something that you, know, you have to do, at least in Los Angeles in our consortium. I can't speak for the rest of the country. Great. Great, Frank. Um, so uh, feel free to say yeah, something no, so, nice so too, I think but I want you to be Teresia's critical. Is, is, is really absolutely spot on in that. And whatever she said, I, I would like to repeat, but I don't. I'll do it a little bit in my words. Um, so first of thing, I think you are totally right saying, look, this is a matter of collaboration. You know, workforce development is something which needs, you know, a joint activity between you know, institutions like ours who do the sourcing part, but also come close with the other institutions, with the industry, which is the demand part, number one. Um, number two, I think, um, you know, the funny thing is, is, even I as an NGO say, I don't need money. I get enough money, there's enough charity and philanthropic support out there to do what we are doing. So my obstacle is not that I'm sitting here and go around to the companies and say, give me a little bit of money that I can do what I need to do. The obstacle is really that I get proactive support from the industry because she said totally right. You, you ask those two students, the skill in, in itself, that's not the objective. The objective is sustainable employment, right? That's why the, these students are going to learn. And if, if you know, an industry is not capable or you know, struggles with putting that objective as a leading objective, then you come into a situation where you say, oh God, uh, you know, I have a huge deficiency in, in my talent pool. But that's not because we do not have enough talent. And that's not because we do not have enough young people who are willing to go out of their bounds. That's because I think the industry is not yet really uh, as good as it could be to, right. to do that. And let me just, uh, you know, just to fire up a little bit questions at the end here. Let me provoke a little bit here because this is industry day as I, as I understand. I've been 25 years in the industry, um, IT industry. And I know, you know, everything is about billability, you know, reducing overheads. You know, I need the tech uh, talent ready to hire. I have no time because my, to build our talent because my objective is to make money. My objective is not to make 
young people happy, right? I, and I totally get that. Now, on the, on the other side, our objective is not to make money. Our objective is to build out students, to build out talent, you know, and, and, and help them to get to the state where they can go into companies and get a job. So if, if we find ways to work ourselves from both sides into this vacuum, I don't think you will have sessions like this anymore where you say, you know, we have 10,000 open jobs right. and nobody to go there. So, so I think that's really what uh, needs a lot of more discussion. Um, last thing I want to say, because it, I don't want to be, there are a lot of companies who are doing this already because they, they realize if we don't help ourselves, nobody helps us. Um, I want to give credit to AWS for a second, not because you know you are invited me, but you guys have been tremendous in kickstarting this initiative. You know, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Just me having the idea wasn't enough. You know, you injected resources, you gave us advice, you brought us subject matter expertise. So we got all the assets we needed to do what you did to create the framework. You know, then we were able to, to take it there and walk ourselves. You know, and if that makes school, that is, I think, what we need to see more and more and more, these kind of seed initiatives from the industry into the education industry to, right. to uh, provide a bigger funnel. Right. Can I just yeah, absolutely. Um, ditto to everything that Frank said as well, but one of the barriers that we do have to overcome is getting through your HR departments. It seems like, you know, we get into a room like this and it's not the first time I've been in one that, you know, the tech industry is hungry. You know, if you've got the students, you've got the talent, you've got the diversity, whether that's in gender and, or, you know, ethnicity, then we, we want to work with you. And, and uh, that desire is there, but we can't get through the barrier of needing a bachelor's degree or, you know, whatever that, that is, you know, at the tech level. So that's something that we also need to overcome. And it's not unique to the tech industry. It's also happening in entertainment um, where, you know, the, the degrees that you have on your, um, you know, on those job postings are, are really kind of inflated because at the end of the day, what you really need them to have is the skills. So, you know, I'm not sure that's something that you can solve or we can solve in this room, but it is something that's going to need to be addressed if we're going to produce this middle skill talent you know, with the industry's, you know, certifications that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that these are great points. Uh, so on AWS Educate, just for a side, we, we launched a job board of Amazon, our customer and partners, so to create that alignment. But we're still learning. We're, we, theoretically, we want to, you know, help people if they're going down this pipeline and they're actually scoring well and, you know, in online fashion and they're grabbing the credentials, they should line up for a job well. Um, we've ran some pretty successful tests in that and we're now trying to figure out how to expand it. And to your point on um, the degree uh, leveling, we're also trying to work on, and we'll be working on this with you, on the, you know, associate, the cloud associate degree and things like that, where we're saying, okay, if you get these skills, then you, you are able, because Otherwise, we're, it's not just a, um, it, it's not just this you know, narrow talent thing, it's a pipeline issue. If we do not embrace diversity, um, we're gonna have problems with that talent. Um, all right, I have one more question for the two of you and then we're gonna open it up to, um, to Frank students and then the audience. Um, so, Put on your thinking cap. I'll start with you, Frank. You know, go five, 10, 20 years down the line. Um, how, what's your ideal world where, you know, where industry and education and government are working together um, to solve this? What's the new workforce pipeline? I, to be honest, I have no idea, but <laughs> I think the, the ultimate paradise would be if there is no unbalance between demand and supply uh, that you have this all sorted out and leading to full employment you know that that would be the perfect world to play in but i don't think that's in any way realistic but a couple of things i think is um so some there will be some fundamental factors over the next couple of years which we need to you know really embrace uh, the first thing is and, and you said this before as well is 
the, the demand will always evolve faster than the supply. That has been in the IT industry like this. It will be in the future. So, so that will be sure the demand in, in both ways, you know, up or down, that will evolve faster than the supply piece can react to that. Now, I think the answer to this is, is what you alluded to is, is the supply side means in the institution like ours, we really need to have a strategic planning focus, which is in close collaboration with the industry. You know, so you guys enable us to see, you know, what is of interest for you? What's the next generation? You know, what keeps you guys awake so that we can start to, you know, prepare earlier? Um, so I think that that's an area which, you know, needs uh, addressing. The second area which I'm sure is going to remain over the next couple of years is that wherever the demand pops up is most likely not the place where the supply is. <laughs> um, now, tech has already figured out, you know, with, you know, offshoring and, and, and stuff like that, that that's not necessary anymore. But it is in many cases. Quite often, uh, the demand is, is still tied to, you know, a geographical requirement uh, and sometimes out of artificial uh, reasons, okay? Um, so I think this problem, what it needs, I think, is, is a different approach, different thinking. Uh, I, I think it needs to, to take some risk willingness, okay? If you imagine the amount of talent sitting in Kenya, we could solve that problem here right now when, when it comes to, to the shortage of the pipeline, but you need to be able to you know, be willing to, to step into this area. And, and we have to think beyond India, and we have to think beyond the Philippines. So that's a thing which I think is more on the, mm -hmm. on the industry side. And the last thing um, is, is really you know, close this gap between you know, what is the demand side requiring and, and how can the, the supply side orchestrate towards that. And, and let me give you an example, and, and then I let you, because we had a, a prep call, and, and Tricia was very focused on governance setups. You know, how can we get mechanisms which work constantly together to, to bridge this gap? If I go today to five out of 10 companies and say, what do you need? Oh, I need a solution, an AWS solution architect. Okay, I have a system administrator, highly talented, what about that? No, 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 I need an architect. Okay, I don't have an architect because these young people, they have the expertise, but they don't have the experience. And guess what? They don't wake up and be a solution architect, yeah. right? <laughs> so the only way to get to become a solution architect is that you are willing to take a system operator on board. And say, you know what? I'm going to nurture you. And yes, I can't maybe build you out from day one, but that is my piece of investment into you. And then I'm creating my system architects. And by the way, that is not any threat for the existing system architects because they can then move on to do better things. So I think you know, there's a lot of room which we need to do. And, and, and the crazy thing for me is, at the end of the day, this is a win-win-win conversation. You have the industry winning because they get their jobs. You have us winning because we can help the young people, which our desire is. And you have the workforce winning because they get jobs. So how hard can it be you know, to get to a win-win point? But, but I think that's what we have to work on. One thing we have to do is we have to go faster, right? Mm -hmm. Tricia. Um, in five years, in a perfect world, um, we would be creating that talent pipeline that um, tech needs in our middle skill area for sure. Um, you know, but most importantly, we would develop the, the pathway and the pipeline starting from the K-12, uh, even in high school, all the way to the university level. That every college um, would adopt this model curriculum that we're developing, that the faculty would have the opportunity to go into industry, that industry would come and sit on our advisory boards and truly have that symbiotic relationship that we need in order for us to produce your, your pipeline and that you would really look at us like partners like that. That you know all of the high schools in Los Angeles would you know, be willing to offer the dual enrollment that leads to the community college curriculum or that goes from the 
um, high school right into the university level, that the seven or 10 universities in Los Angeles would hold spaces for our tech talent so that all of the talent that's currently being developed, like at UCLA and USC and Cal Poly Pomona, um, that talent doesn't migrate out, that that talent stays in LA so that we can really do economic development in Los Angeles, which is job retention, job creation, business recruitment to the area, and that you know we do stimulate the economy in that way. Awesome, so we gotta get younger, credentialing yeah, and yeah, not making the bar yeah, a bachelor's or whatever it is, um, making sure that we don't exclude regions um, from this yeah, inadvertently or advertently, um, and making sure that there's a job, most importantly, at the end of all this. So if they're doing the work, they get the job. Um, all right, I wanted to turn it over to your students for yeah, a for a couple minutes, and then we'll go to the audience. Um, so Frank, where are your... So it's Maureen and Damaris. You want to come into the spotlight here, or you want to... <laughs> you come they, forward, they come, come here. Yeah. So, so a second of introduction, as if you have a little bit of time, these uh, young, wonderful ladies came last night after a 40 hours flight from Kenya, so they are a little bit jet lagged. First time, uh, you know, going on the international travel. Why, why uh, don't you just quickly introduce yourself and then you, you know, you yeah, want if you, if you could, right, give me a quick introduction and just describe your experience for, for the group. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Frank, for making it happen for us to be here. Well, my name is Maureen Chebet. Um, I was born and raised in Kenya in a village called Kapkatet. Uh, I'm the last born in a family of three. Um, my mother used to do casual work as a cook in a neighboring school, so she could bring uh, food, to, uh, leftover food from work so that we can have a meal. And I remember at some point uh, we could go without a meal in our day, but that was not a challenge. We had that love for ourselves as a, as a family. And I remember my school life as a young person, I, it was very tough for me because I was in and out of school because of lack of school fees. But when I eventually managed to finish my high school, uh, my mother couldn't afford my school fees. And so uh, I didn't have a chance to, to enter a university at that moment. And in my village where I come from, uh, men are given this priority to education. And I saw most of my friends getting married off, but I resorted not to go down that road. And I decided to go selling clothes so that I could get, make ends meet. And two, two months down the line, my brother came and told me that uh, there's this job, can I apply it for you? And he did. and. When I was called for the uh, job, it was seven hours away from our village, and so I had to move to stay with my relatives in Nairobi. And after a year, I got enrolled in school, and I was able to support my family and, and myself. And a few months later, I was pri privileged to be selected as part of AWS uh, Cloud Academy team. And in the beginning, it was very challenging for me because I had to uh, be at par with the, those who had these background skills. And, and there was the challenge of us, we were six ladies out of 30 students. And it was really a struggle for our voice to, be, uh, us to get outside there. But we had to do what we had to do to be heard. And passing the certification for me was a highlight because I had to to get these skills and exercise them. Uh, I, I, I became good at web, web development, uh, creating apps, uh, which I didn't even know before, this introduction to AWS technologies. And it has given me a chance to come here, be in this platform, and I'm very happy. Thank you very much. Can I just ask you, how many hours a day, how many hours a week were you putting into learning about AWS? Six hours. Six hours a yes, day? Yes, afterwards I do my school wow. study work. Fantastic. 
could you introduce yourself and describe your experience as well? Okay. Um, my name is Damaris Namkosi Sirengo. I'm 22 years old. Uh, I'm the only child in my family. When I was four years, my mom passed away, and I was raised by my aunt and my dad. So my, both my dad and my aunt were peasant farmers, and uh, yeah, they really struggled to raise me up and uh, with my aunt's kids. Though we never lacked uh, food, but raising money for tuition, it was really hard. I remember over time, I could uh, be on and off school, and, but sometimes my dad could talk to the head of school and allow me to be in class on humanitarian grounds. So despite of all this, uh, all this struggle, I managed to pass my examination, my secondary school examination, and I merited for the public university. But I couldn't join because I couldn't, my parents, my dad and my aunt could not afford it. So I had to stay at home for two years. And during these two years, I used to uh, do farm work. I, could, I used to plant vegetables and sell it to the local market with uh, fresh fruit juice. I did home science in high school, so I got some skills, and that's what I used to, uh, to apply on making fresh fruit juice. So part of the profits I made, I'm glad to say I saved some part and enrolled myself for basic ICT, uh, basic ICT classes. And the rest, I used it for general upkeep back at home. So towards the, uh, the end of the second year, that is in November 2014, I heard of Digital Divide Data, which is a DDD, which is a company that uh, helps youths from undersettled, underserved, uh, undersettled environments. Uh, and uh, it helps youths to uh, empower themselves through education and uh, employment. So I quickly applied and I was called for, for the interview. So after a week, I was called for the interview and I had to travel all the way from western part of Kenya to Nairobi. Considering it was my first time in the city, I was really, really excited. But during the interview, I was naive and uneasy. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, after the interview, I went to stay with my cousin and after one week, I was called to start training at DDD. And uh, after three months, I was confirmed to be an employee of DDD. And uh, to crown this all, after one year, uh, DDD gave me an opportunity to join Kenyatta University. And right now, I'm a third year student at Kenyatta University, uh, pursuing Bachelor of Information Technology. And uh, after one year again, uh, early this year, 2017, I was I was privileged. I am still privileged to be part, to be selected among the 30 trainees to be trained for AWS, uh, for AWS. And uh, right now, I'm certified AWS, uh, and uh, I'm a certified CSOP admin for AWS. And I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for AWS and DDD for believing in me. Uh, equipping me and giving me an opportunity to stand before you, before the world, and talk about my story. And so my commitment to working with DDD is to provide high-level prof high professional solutions to our clients who are globally sourced. Uh, and as a young woman, um, I would wish to go back to my community and uh, encourage and mentor young women like me to embrace technology and follow my example. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Hi, um, just amazing stories. Um, I, if your students don't yeah, say that they can't get out of bed and come to class, um, listen to these stories. Um, so we'd love to see if we have some questions from the audience. Over here, Angela. Okay, you got it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi, <clears throat> my name is Arif Garcel. I am the founder of Floodgate Academy, which is a nonprofit boot camp based in Seattle and Oakland. Um, and we are very specific about our mission, which is teaching Black people how to get into technology. Um, multiple questions. 
think one for you being in your backyard, we've had Amazon and ignore multiple requests from us to try <laughs> to uh, get involved. And so that's my question for you is how do we actually get involved being five blocks from you, um, being very successful, um, and no one ever returning my emails. Um, so um, first of all, are you in num Number, number yeah. two, um, it's really great to hear that you all are working and money is not an issue. Money is an issue for us because we're very specific about the work we're doing in our communities. And it's not too many people showing up to help black people specifically, which account for the lowest numbers in tech. Um, it's great to hear programs over in, on the continent, um, in specific countries, um, but I'm, I'm really curious about as we move into this world of distributed work, um, I work for a company that's 70% distributed and we still have only white male engineers. And so it's really interesting to me that we say the pipeline is our problem, but when we can go to places like Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, and I can you know, stand up a project the next day and go hire 10 black engineers or 10 African engineers, I'm just curious, like, how are you all being very specific about connecting the dots? Um, and how are you also not leading to a brain drain of Africa? Very specific, I'm very familiar with Andela's model. I'm curious around like the savior mentality of not seeing African faces in Africa helping communities and creating brain drain. I'm really curious so, um, about that. The first, are you a nonprofit? I am. So um, nonprofits, just uh, FYI, go, go to AWS Educate, I'll be at your event later. We can. Yeah, I'm just saying any yeah. nonprofit here can go to awseducate.com, apply, and become a member um, and get you know, access to those free resources. As far as um, yeah, African American communities, um, black communities in, uh, in the States, I, I completely agree that that needs to be, that, that needs to be a focus. Um, we're doing a number of partnerships. You know, we're, with HBCUs and then we're working with community colleges to try to make that, that, that jump. Um, I also feel, and this is one of those, so if you have a, um, if you're, you have a team, if you're a manager, um, I think it's very important that you specifically draw a pipeline that is diverse. You need to overscore for diverse audiences. The reason for that is, um, one, you need to, people are not, going to want, are not going to be as likely to join your team if you don't have a diverse workforce, if they are diverse. Um, secondly, they don't have the network that's as deep. You see unconscious bias and all kinds of other things. So I think it's really important incumbent on managers to also Yeah, look at that's that. great. And I'd love to talk, I think, to her point earlier. I think what I've seen in the last three years um, is that the recruiting is the weakest link in this chain. Um, and, and a lot of times I have, you know, I'm a hiring manager. I'm an engineer in my day job as well. And so I know what's needed. And many a times I see that the tech recruiters in this industry is usually their first job in tech. Um, and so they don't know how to translate true company desire and needs into the candidate that they see before them. So I, you know, not trying to fix that today, but I, I heard your point earlier, yeah. um, and I expressed that same thing. Like the, the recruiting, the HR pipeline is the most broken part of what we're trying to do here. Gotcha. Um, question, other questions over here? Yes, Thanks. Um, thanks to the panelists. This is super uh, interesting, exciting. Um, so I, it, it's less of a question, more of a comment, because it's top of mind. Um, I was talking about it today. Um, we actually found uh, a contractor, a designer that we really love based in Ghana. Uh, we want to contract them. We want to uh, you know, work with them. And actually, legal and finance both flagged it this morning. <laughs> and they said, hey, guys, really? Like, Ghana is probably not one of the countries that's on the approved remittance list uh, for, for our company. Um, and it's, it, it's interesting to me, I guess, one of the things that I heard over and over is, is it's about jobs and sustainable work. Um, so I guess from my perspective, what about that aspect of actually being able to pay folks um, that's, that's not just in your local backyard but across the world and actually having an employment engagement? Uh, what does that look like? Uh, are there any kind of tips to, that I could go to finance with and be like, no, no, we should, we should pursue this? So you want, you want some commercial data points? Uh, I can give them to you. I'm not sure if I understand the question, but so first of all. Yeah, so I guess it's the actual remittance of payment 
you know, across across the world, oh, maybe okay. our finance I, I, doesn't have that uh, capability internally. Yeah, I, um, I'm not a finance person, so I, I don't know what, what the issues are, but it, it's what I said before, it's a matter of mindset. So uh, you can make a problem as a showstopper, or you can solve it. But, but the one thing I want to say, because it is important, is we pay our students 10 times more than the average student in Africa, but their salary is probably still a tenth of what salaries are in the Western world. So if your finance person doesn't understand that, then, <laughs> that, you know, so I think there should be enough motivation for a finance person to find that out. Uh, and to the gentleman in the back, I really want to connect with you. I, honestly, I feel bad sitting here as a white German talking about <laughs> skill development in Africa, and I think that's totally right. But we are doing a lot of grassroots work, you know, and, and mm. for sure next year or the year after, I should not sit here anymore. And that's one of the things we need to, to come forward. And then to your point, which I've seen as well often is, sometimes it's easier to raise money in Africa for a problem than raise money, money in the US where you have exactly the same problem. Uh, and it's just a matter of awareness, so I would love to continue to, to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, actually, unfortunately, we're over time right now, so I'm going to have to cut it to an end. The, the one thing I would say is there's also a We Power Tech um, that talk uh, um, session or series of sessions um, at AWS, every event that I recommend that you come to. Um, again, my thanks to my panelists, to these wonderful women um, who came over here, um, and to this audience. Uh, thank you very much, and enjoy the rest of reInvent.